Welcome to the Collections by Michelle Brown Show, a show about people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality as they create change. This episode is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services. Collections by Michelle Brown. I'm your host, Michelle Brown. Each week, we'll be talking with people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality, and creating change. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Imani Woody. Dr. Woody has been an advocate of women, people of color, and LGBT same-gender-loving issues for more than 20 years. Dr. Woody is a mayoral appointee to the D.C. LGBTQ Advisory Council and is the program officer for the Older Adults Advisory Council for the Metropolitan Community Churches. She currently works as a diversity and inclusion consultant in the field of health, aging, and issues affecting these communities along with people of color. She has presented on LGBT aging issues at the White House National LGBT Elder Summit and at the 2017 National Equality March for Unity and Pride. She's a board member of the LGBT Technology Partnership and has served on many boards. Dr. Woody has a PhD in human services specializing in nonprofit management. She holds a Master of Human Services degree from Lincoln University and is a graduate of Georgetown University's paralegal program. She's the founding director and CEO of Mary's House for Older Adults. The mission of Mary's House is to create a safe and affordable nonprofit housing project in Washington, D.C. that will honor the whole person as they age. It will provide residents a place where communal living feels like home with a shared living room, shared dining room, shared kitchen, their own room with closet space and a private bath, but most importantly, a place where everybody knows their name and accepts them just as they are. At the 2018 Creating Change Conference in Washington, D.C., SAGE, the nation's largest and oldest organization dedicated to improving the lives of LGBT elders, presented Dr. Imani Woody the SAGE Advocacy Award for Excellence on Aging Issues and recognition for her passion and leadership on issues that affect LGBT elders. Dr. Woody, welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. How are you today? I am well. Thank you, Michelle, for that warm greeting. Well, you know, I sort of like we are people who are our orbits have been going around, and we are all of that certain age. I tell people now I'm part of that AARP generation, you know. Absolutely. And, you, know, you know, I can remember, you know, when my parents had it and then sort of joking about, oh, one day I'm going to have that AARP. And now, you know, shoot, when it comes to that discount, I slept that puppy down there in a heartbeat, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I said, there, there's no shame in, in my game. You know, all right, you, all right, same here. Mm-hmm. You know, you've been doing this for a while. 
How special was it to receive that SAGE Award at Creating Change, which is like our, not just a conference, it's like a family reunion, but in your city? It was it was amazing. I love creating change. I've been doing that conference for a long time, many, 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 many years. And to have it in Washington D.C. was exciting. And Mary's house took part in in greeting and hosting uh, the uh, elder suite that you know creating change has different hospitality suites. So we hosted the elder suite, and uh, it was just great to have almost. Uh, 3,500 to 4,000 people in our city, uh, LGBTQ people and allies. You know, amazing. The whole hotel was us. Uh, it was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Receiving the award was uh, surreal. I've, I've worked with SAGE and its executive director, Michael Adams, for many years. And, and you know, Michelle, you just do your work, right? You just do what you do. Mm-hmm. You do it well to the best of your ability. And so to be honored, I was, I was humbled and thrilled. You know, I think that that's, that's two things. First of all, how, you know, those of us who have been doing this for a while, it's just like you're doing your work. And then to suddenly to be honored and recognized for it but to be at creating change and to have not only your community but the work and the people who you represent and you work the hardest for to have an elder suite i mean it's yeah. sort of like we are here <laughs> yeah. yeah we're here yeah mm-hmm. you know because often it, it's sort of i've talked to different people who have have done that and um one of the people who I talked to um, who's here is uh, Dr. Debrea Wilson, and she did a film on lesbian couples, and she said in part she had gone to this thing where here are these young lesbians, and they were like, you know, and we're getting married, and we're setting our families, and we're doing all this and that. And she was like, well, wait a minute. We've been doing this. And it was like, they said, you have. <laughs> and it's sort yeah. of like, uh, we aren't, it isn't brand new and that there are elders, but it was a different time and it was a different place to right. do this. Although you had the elders suite, how important do you feel it is to, to have that intergenerational sort of conversation to extend the history from back when, you know, we had to be closeted to today when... We're, we're here and queer at all ages and, and levels. You know, it's, it's so interesting to me. I, was, um, I just did a podcast with some young women in their 30s, and they were asking me that same question, Michelle, about intergeneration, uh, intergenerations and, and how should younger people be involved. And most definitely just elders just need to, we need to keep telling our story because one, there's nothing new under the sun. And two, we each stand on the shoulders of someone else. We just didn't happen to get here. There's still fight, you know, there's still fights to fight, fights to win. You know, I was on the steps of the uh, Supreme Court because of the, what I call the cake case, right? That if you, Mm -hmm. if you are, Mm -hmm. uh, of a certain religious bent and you don't feel like uh, uh, serving 
other people that you don't like, you don't have to on the basis of religion, which often includes LGBT folks, and we know it included in another generation, black folks or, or Asian folks or Native Americans, you know, and so that kind of uh, discrimination and the lessening of it uh, just didn't happen. People fought and died for us to have those freedoms, and folks are still fighting for it, and people are still scared to uh, be out because of this new religious um, freedom act or whatever. I forget the formal name of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, and it, it is funny because, you know, we came so far. I mean, you were right there. Like, you know, although things have happened all over the country for many of us, you know, in DC, we saw it. I mean, we had a president who was welcoming us to the white house. We saw, yeah. you know, Supreme court decisions. We were really out and feeling it. And now you find people, I have found people who are, are actually talking about either going back in the closet or feeling more afraid now. From your place there, how have you, what do you see? Do you see that too? And, and how do we get people to recognize that now is not the time to retreat? or to go back in the closet? You know, I, I, I hear you and I feel it. I, when I was uh, doing, my, uh, doing some research, I was researching um, barriers to health care to uh, African-American lesbians and gay males, um, older, older African-American lesbians and gay males and barriers to health care and services. And this one woman I interviewed Big Butch, back in the day, who's now living with her daughter and granddaughter, say, oh, I don't do that stuff no more. You know, I'm not trying to embarrass my my granddaughter when I take her to school. I I just don't do that anymore. So I'm wondering, you know, it made my heart sad. So we continue to have the interview, and she's still, to me, presented as a lesbian. But she was saying that, what I what I got from her is that she's living with her daughter and she has to do certain things to maintain her livelihood, her place of residence, her love, her, her uh, quality of life. And so she gave up part of herself to do that. And so I, I, I can't falter for that, you know, because uh, being old and being gay at the same time, can be an awful boundary. It depends on, on where you are. You know, we come out every day. We come out, we mm-hmm. decide to come out every day to whomever, the store, grocery store clerk, the person in the cleaners, a passerby. We decide uh, to whom we're going to come out. And so I can't, you know, I, I understand that it can be hard to be, oh, be in a situation where you don't know how they're going to treat you, you know, like maybe in a residential facility, a nursing home, even people with their doctors. There were some gay men who were talking to me about they don't come out to their doctor uh, because the doctor will treat them as if they have, uh, that they are uh, at risk for HIV and AIDS or or have it. And just some amazing things. So, So that's a sad thing even here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, because I've met people who are like that, and it's sort of like, well, I just don't do that. I mean, and, and so you say, someone say, to have someone say to you, well, I just don't do that anymore. Like you said, mm-hmm. it's like cutting off part of yourself to go back in and to do that survival. 
But, you know, even I've even met younger people. I know a couple who were very happy to be able to be married, but then they don't want to talk about it because they felt that same thing, that there aren't those protections. You know, there's no employment protection, so they still can. And when you think that if a young person is thinking that, if you are older and you're thinking, well, I want to come out, do I want to stay out? What if you, you're where the place where you work has downsized and you're out here looking again? It is. It, it can be a really big decision, like, you know, do I out myself or right. just hope to get a job to survive? Right. And, and, and remember that we each have our own internalized homophobia, you know, that it may be safe, but we're, we're, we have our own stuff and it doesn't feel safe. Uh, and, uh, and I, I fight that and I, and I'm a big out lesbian and I'm out often <laughs> every mm-hmm. day in the world. Uh, but there have been some places like I was at a, a forum of, um, that was given by some aging advocates and it was, they had the, it wasn't the professionals. They had lay people in there and they were doing the old Baptist, amen. And, uh, that's right. Kind of call and response. And no one mentioned, we'd been in there for over an hour and no one had mentioned being gay or being lesbian. And it just felt unsafe to me. And mm-hmm. I, I did not speak up on that publicly. What I had wanted to happen is that the organizers would have said, this is a safe place for everybody. Uh, I saw professional um, LGBT people in there who weren't acting LGBT, whatever that means, but they, you know, it wasn't brought up and it was, it seemed pretty heterosexual, this, this whole thing, and it did not feel safe. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, and it is funny because then you find, you know, because I, I know I did it earlier today. It's sort of like, okay, how do you refer to this person's, you know, is it their partner? Is it their wife? If you're out, do you refer to it as their wife or do you say it's their partner? You know, and and then how do you not bristle when you still have someone, you know, refer to you, oh, that's their girlfriend or their boyfriend? And mm-hmm. so it's like, well, my mother always said you pick your battles, but yes. what is your battle? <laughs> you know, uh, if, if not for this just sort of basic recognition. Now, you work within the communities and you see all this. Now, I have still met people who particularly um, after marriage equality who didn't rush to get married in part because of a real issue of, like, I knew two women, and they were saying, well, they had both been married to men at one point in time, and they knew that if they got married, it would affect their retirement benefits. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah, how, I mean, and people, there are all these things that people don't think of. They think, like, you know, oh, we can go get married in a set, but we have to think about, I mean, I, we have, I've dealt with tax people who said, you know, well, before you do it, there are tax consequences that still affect LGBTQ people. 
they it's better now that marriage is is uh, legal in all states but before that you'd have to pay a big estate tax if you were together and people who have to struggle with can i continue to live where i am in your advocacy work even like with um for the city of dc as you have elders who are coming to you is the city trying to acknowledge recognize, acknowledge them as great resources to the community and help people stay in their homes and in their community? Yes, I think uh, Washington, D.C. is one of the best cities to live in, Michelle. We've got like, um, I want to say, 10 to 15 percent uh, higher uh, human, human, uh, oh God, what do they call them, human, oh, I can't even think of the name of it human rights laws than mm-hmm. uh, the federal government has. Um, uh, they are, we definitely respect uh, marriage equality. Um, we had domestic violence, I mean, I'm sorry, domestic partnership uh, on the books, and then uh, marriage equality pretty quickly um, uh, was passed in our city. Um, housing, Mary's House will be the first uh, housing that's targeted to uh, target LGBTQ elders, uh, but there we don't take lightly discrimination uh, based on sexual orientation and identity in our city. Mm-hmm. When you're talking to elders, how do you, I mean, and you know, I mean, if you listen to kids, if you're 30, you're an elder, you know, um, exactly. uh, yeah, uh, yeah, so... But as you're talking to people, and I know that there are our organizations, I know that there's the Care Plan that's in Chicago that sort of talks to people about how do you plan not only for how you're going to take care of it or what if your, your partner is uh, not in good health, to come up with a plan for it. But what are some of the things that from your experience that you see that people aren't thinking about? Because, of course, we all think we're going to live forever and be eternally young. But what yeah. should we be think, thinking of from an earlier age, you know, to put in place? Well, we should think about retirement and not having the pensions that our grandfathers had, that's for sure, mm-hmm. like my dad had. Those, that's gone the way of the dinosaur, that, and I don't even see that coming back anytime soon. So people should start saving earlier. Uh, that's, just, that's just a fact of life. They're um, often older adults, we don't have kids. And so who's going to take care of you if you're in a, uh, uh, a situation where you have need rehab and have to go home, you know, they, after you're sufficiently rehabilitated for the, for the rehab site that you have to go home, you may need long-term disability insurance uh, so that there's some payment coming to you for uh, physical therapists um, uh, an aid to help you get up the steps, bathe, uh, those kinds of things if you have no one to uh, do that for you. And, and um, as we age, the research is bearing out that we often live alone and mm-hmm. we often don't have children. And so we do. So by default, I take care of my um, 84-year-old stepmother. My wife and I take care of my 84-year-old stepmother. Uh, 
because as default, children take care of the kid. Children take care of the parents, right? When you get all of there are no kids, well, what what happens then? So having somebody that's having some money and or some insurance, long term care disability insurance, to help you with, to do that uh, is is very important. If you are uh, if you are coupled, of course, having a will. Even if you're not, you want something to go to someone have a will so that that can happen so that you designate someone to take care of your body even uh, mm. uh, bury you you know you've been estranged from your your parents but if you're there alive when you died your parents are in charge of what happens to your body and what happens to your things as opposed to that long-term companion not lovers but long-term companion that you would like to leave something to or, and or you care for so much. So, yes, making a will, power of attorney for health care, getting long-term care, disability insurance. All those are just kind of basic things one, one can get to be better, to be like a safety net, to have a safety net. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, and although we, you know, I mean, and that's just real. We know as as you get older, we should think about this. But we also know that, just in general, people are living longer. You know, right. they're they're having it. And I've met like people who are going back in and like um, there's a woman who's going to open a business. Like she she calls it says her third act. You know, where she's yes. looking yes. forward to retiring. She's uh, but you know from one thing, but to go in and, and really live her passion. And you're trying to do that. Um, you know that we're living longer. How do you, do you see, and even with that intergenerational part, that here we are, you know, you still have a lot to go and a lot to give. How do you encourage elders that you interact with to stay involved and stay active? Yeah, well, how do, you, how do we do that? Um, so Mary's House works to create environments that are quality environments, including housing, um, mm-hmm. for older folks because we I, social isolation is the number one I call it disease Michelle out there for older folks is social isolation you can and it's different than loneliness social mm-hmm. isolation is different than loneliness right and so uh, there are people who don't talk to or don't interact with other people for long periods of time and uh, that's not what we want, but it's easy to socially isolate. You know, you just stop calling people, you know, you stop. And if you stop calling, if I stop calling my friends, I swear to God, they're going to stop calling me after a minute, right? Uh-huh. You just don't, oh, she doesn't want to be bothered. Let me not call. Oh, no, she doesn't want to go. So don't give up on your friends. Don't give up on your older neighbors. Continue just to encourage them to go see that movie can I get something for you from the store? Let's take a walk. I'm going here and there. You know, I'm, it's, it's um, uh, I want to say imperative that the younger generation reaches out to the older generation. You'd be surprised how um, quickly and how warmly you'll be accepted as uh, a friend and an ally. Mm-hmm. Now, we know, like I said, you know, we had, I call it that golden Obama era, where you actually, but even in that, there weren't a lot of statistics on our community. There still isn't. 
but at least at that point in time, you know, there were people who you could go and talk to who might have an ear to, to you know, flesh it out, to collect these, these numbers about us, what's happening with us, what's doing it. That's not there. Where, who is accumulating information on our community to give you the information, the ammunition, the tools to do your work better? Is it, is it solely SAGE? Are there other organizations? Or I know DC, I, I'm sure it's collecting some statistics, but that isn't national. You know, uh, this administration is trying to erase us. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, if you go on the website, we used to have uh, have uh, places on on uh, DHS, um, the Department of Human Services, DOJ, Department of Justice, uh, all almost all branches of the administration had a little blurb or more on LGBT things, uh, Office, uh, Office on Aging, all of these places. And now this administration has all, all but erased us. Um, so we get to try to do it. It's, it's, uh, it's an uphill battle in that people are nervous in giving information. For example, for the Office on Aging, they're making a concerted effort beginning and Office on Aging and Health and Human Services, both in D.C., are making a concerted effort to get some kind of statistics. And it's kind of a catch-22. We're trying to ask on intake forms what's your sexual um, identity and orientation. And there's early on in the Office on Aging, there was some, excuse me, pushback and they stop doing it, and I think that there's going to be some training and trying to uh, figure out where the breakdown was, so that we can again begin to gather that data. Um, knowing that it's going to be hard, people who are we're asking the data from, they want to know again, how's this going to impact me? This is a, mm-hmm. a government agency. I'm telling that I'm a lesbian. What is that going to mean? They say they're going to keep it confidential, but we've been through the Tuskegee incident, so you know what? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard. We, we're, we're trying. There, there's research that goes on, so we get little pockets here and pockets there, and some longitudinal studies are coming out. Uh, so we just keep plotting slowly but surely um, to, to, to gather the data wherever and however we can. And SAGE is doing a, a good job. Um, there's another aging uh, organization that just did this fantastic study. Dr. Karen Fredrickson, uh, I keep forgetting Dr. Karen's name, sorry. Um, but she just did this wonderful study. I can uh, send it to you probably offline. If okay. You like. mm-hmm. um, um, about uh, us and aging. Um, so there's, there's, there are some resources, some research going on. Um, but again, it's an uphill battle in, in being out. Well, how much are you going to tell and who is this person? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we're going to take our first break here. And when we come back, we're going to get into a little bit more about Mary's House, um, a project that I think is just like exciting. 
So we will be right back. If you're just joining us, I'm talking with Dr. Imani Woody. She is the executive director. She's the CEO of Mary's House for Older Adults in Washington, D.C. We'll be right back. This episode of Collections by Michelle Brown is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services, bringing balance to your mind, body, and spirit. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit the Center at www.thecenterforpeacellc.com. Back on Collections by Michelle Brown, and I am talking with Dr. Imani Woody about Mary's House. You know, Dr. Woody, often when I talk to people and they're talking about aging, and particularly in our community, one of the images that has stuck in my mind and why I think it's so important was when before my father died, he had been in a, a nursing home. And I would go and visit him every day and sitting in the corner with somebody, you know, I kind of looked at and I said, she looks familiar. She looks kind of familiar. And mm-hmm. as I kept looking at her, all of a sudden it dawned on to me, she had been someone who had been like very butch, you know, in her, mm-hmm. her dress and everything. And I don't know what had happened to her, but here she was, like what you were saying, she was in a point where she'd been put in this nursing home. She, they had put her in a dress you know, she was sitting over there. Nobody was coming and visiting her. And they had absolutely no concern as to who and, and what she was. And it, um, and part of it is, is, you know, it's just that whole attitude. Because, like, I tell people it was like my father always had a mustache. And one day I came in and they had shaved off his mustache because it was just easier. Well, for her, it was just easier. She's a woman. They put her in a dress. She was in a room with another woman. And that was it. Forget about who she was. And yes. that image, oh my goodness! I mean, still mm-hmm. haunts me. It broke my heart when I realized. I kept looking at it, and when I realized that's who it was, I started. When I would go see my dad, I would always stop and sort of like sit and talk to her. And I don't know, you know, where her family was, who was with her. I started to try to reach out to some people in the community, and like you said about the social isolation. There were people who was like, you know what, we just didn't see her around. We didn't know where she was. Right. And people started then to try to go and see her. Mary's house. Uh, I mean, I, when, I, was, when I read about Mary's house, I liked how it said where people would know your name and accept you. What was the, the vision behind Mary's house? Well, I have, my story is similar to yours, perhaps, in that my dad uh, went into a uh, nursing home, um, actually a, a, a retirement facility, and, you know, he's, he was he retired as a middle-class guy, he had a couple pennies to put together, Michelle, so he was in a good one. 
Um, but he went incontinent, and we pulled him out. He was incontinent. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the people, and we went to, you know, it was me, my wife, uh, his grandson, and others went to visit him and, uh, you know, to, you know, advocate for him and just be there. Uh, but the people, they didn't really know who he was. They didn't know that he was a minister. They didn't know he was middle class. They didn't know or really care. You know, they wanted it to be easy for them, right? As you're saying, they uh-huh. cut your dad's mustache off because it was easier. For whom? Not for your dad. He liked looking at his mustache. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, so uh, me hearing the story of this this woman, this butch in the um, in the nursing home with your dad is the absolute reason why my dad uh, died. And I wondered what would have happened had he been an out lesbian, out gay man or a transgender person. What, how would he have been treated then if as a middle class upstanding citizen, he was treated like this? Not badly. And we know that elder abuse happens. Not badly mm-hmm. to my knowledge. But just indifference, I mean, just mechanical kind of stuff. Uh, so that was the first thing. And then the second thing was uh, um, some weeks later, I heard that a person in our community had died in an upscale neighborhood, an uh, upscale retirement center. Um, and uh, he was found, Michelle, five days later, had been dead mm. for five days. That mm-hmm. broke my heart because... That meant that people had stopped calling him, had, you know, maybe he stopped playing bridge or spades or going to church or um, driving around, being with people. You know, he had stopped doing all that. So nobody missed him for five days. And I said, you know what? And so my dad died. He left me this house, and I was trying to figure out what to do with it. And uh, the answer after these two incidences was to build affordable housing and that's one of the Mm -hmm. keys because if you're rich you can live wherever you want i mean if i'm oprah i can build my Mm -hmm. own damn retirement center um Mm -hmm. so building affordable housing when um affordable housing isn't um everywhere for um LGBT people, nor is quality housing, nor is safe housing, nor is it welcoming housing. And so Mary's House is going to be all of these things. So the one in Washington, D.C., Michelle, will be our first one, the Mm -hmm. first one. And we're talking about a continuum of care. This is independent living. And then we want to do a house that's assisted living. And then we want to do a hospice so that we have a continuum of care. But we also want to do this in Maryland in Michigan, in Florida, in California, in the Virgin Islands, in Egypt. It, we want to do it all over. And so we want to do it in our in our nation. There's a Mary's house, at least, uh, in every state. Um, and uh, we say in our city, in every ward. And so we're mm-hmm. building the first one right now. Uh, or when I say building, we have the land. We had to do uh, a rezoning. Uh, to have a continuing care facility in this residential area. Uh, but we want it to look like a residence. It does not, it will not look like a nursing home as we mm-hmm. know it now. Uh, 
and uh, you described it beautifully when you, your, your session opened, uh, and we, we were intentional about that, you know, about people having their own bathroom in their own space, but a communal kitchen, dining room, hot tub or hydrotherapy tub to commune and build family. You know, we want to mm-hmm. build intentional communities because this guy had a great, he was in a great retirement facility. You know, they had all kinds of amenities, but he died without a family-like atmosphere. And mm-hmm. so that's not going to happen in Mary's house. Every day someone's going to say something like, hi, Miss Michelle, how are you doing today? You want to go out to the Stonewall Garden? You want to go up mm-hmm. to the roof and pick some vegetables? You want to walk around the track? You want to go into the hydrotherapy tub? A bus is leaving for the library. Do you want, you know, oh, yes. <laughs> we're, we're, we're going to um, make life quality, uh, quality uh, life for people. And, uh, you know, the kind of place I want to live in when uh-huh. I can no longer keep my house. And there's a retirement community out that does things. They do things, you know. Um, yeah. Will couples so be able very- to... Will couples be able to come there together, say, you know? Yes. It mm-hmm. depends on the staffing of, so there are uh, 15 rooms, and each room mm-hmm. had, not each room, but I think it's every other room has a, uh, you know, like a hotel lock enclosure for the suites so that you can have two adjoining suites. Uh, mm-hmm. So couples could, could most definitely have two suites and it will be adjoining. Because mm-hmm. I know that sometimes like one might still, one might ha- health might be failing, but the other one is enjoying better health, but they want to be together. And that connection, you know, is yes, just as absolutely. important. Not, mm-hmm. And we don't, and you know, and the one thing about Mary's house is they don't have to go in being sisters. Uh, you know, uh, amen. Cousins. <laughs> you know, or, or brothers, you know, they can go in, this is my spouse, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to create a world where being who you are is just who you are. Uh, and this is uh, uh, an example happened just this week when I had to take my um, my wife to the doctor and I had to park the car, left, let her off and park the car and went in and said, I'm looking for my spouse. Um, and the person said, what's his name? I said, no, her name. Um, mm. And it was the name. And she said, oh, she's in the back. She didn't miss a beat. She said, she's in the back. And she called somebody. They took me back and said, oh, here's um, Dr. Imani. She's here for her wife. And somebody else took me further. And then the person opened the door and said, here's the missus. Nobody missed mm. a beat. Well, you mm. know. That's mm-hmm. the world I'm trying to create. And you don't miss a beat. It's just regular. Mm-hmm. You know? So, so uh, that, that is, is that right there. I mean, how important is that to when you're there and you can have, you know, your, the person you have chosen to be with all your life and you don't have to go in and say, oh, I'm looking for my sister, you know, yeah. or, yeah. or, you know, or who, who is that? Oh, her friend, you know, and yeah. and to have that, and to have to be in a place where your relationship is recognized and acknowledged, where there isn't that side eye, like, oh yeah, right. this is her. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, you go in and say you're her wife, and they go like, 
her friend is here or that another question how many times is it and what is the relationship you know that they got it Right, yeah, right. That, mm, wow. That's very, wow. And, and we've heard stories of people telling, asking, you, you know, I think you you kind of uh, uh, talked about it earlier that um, there's, we know, we have stories of people asking their friends not to visit them in the nursing home because they, they look too gay and dying mm-hmm. alone. We don't even know when they died because they don't want anyone to visit them because they don't want to be outed. How sad mm-hmm. is that? Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. So we train. So one of the things Mary's House does, because we can't build our stuff out of this, Michelle, we can't build enough housing, um, mm-hmm. but we can create change in the housing that we have. So Mary's House provides housing, uh, provides um, cultural training on LGBT issues, on aging issues, because people aren't even well-versed staff seems not to be well-versed in some instances that, you know, old people still like to have sex. Okay, we, mm-hmm. we still sensual. We still uh, want intimacy. And so they don't, they try to break up even in mainstream uh, places that, you know, folks not have sex and uh, all kinds of things. So let's talk about aging for a minute, what it means. And if you don't, and if you are well, if you're independent, even on that uh, chart of independency, that you, there's some things that you still can do. Don't take my rights away. So we, so we train about that you know, in terms of aging, in terms of LGBTQ, in terms of just being respectful of cultures, uh, people of color, and that kind of thing. Well, you know, I, I can see where, because, you know, like you said, you can't build enough, and that some people are going to opt to go to, here we have like a Henry Ford village, but mm-hmm. to have that staff understand, like you said, that um, you're still alive, you're still have in relationships, you might decide you want to date, you know, and That's to right. recognize that. And do you see when you're starting to talk about this, are you finding other agencies, other facilities sort of like listening to you, sort of saying, well, you know, we know we're seeing some gay couples come in here, and let's face it, there are some people who are looking for the gay market because there are some gay people who have means to go into these high-end places. Do you find them coming to say, like, okay, how do we attract these people and what kind of services, what do we need to learn from you so that our facility is a place that an LGBTQ couple might consider moving into? Oh, absolutely, and all the time. You know, it is a market that um, people with vision and foresight uh, about that all money's green want part of that market, right? So that's a good thing that, you know, people are, that there are um, organizations and agencies out there who want to learn and become culturally competent or uh, at least culturally aware of uh, um, older LGBT folks. I, I think that's amazing. And so we're, we have a, a lot of those people uh, and organizations in our city. Mm-hmm. Now, you're going to have, because I heard you say, everything from independent living, assisted living, 
um, hospice, will you have like uh, a facility or an arrangement? Like, so if, say, if I were there, I were to slip and fall, I went in the hospital that I could come out and go, would I be able to go to a rehab portion of that? And then, like, step down to assisted living till I got back to my place? That is the hope once the first one is built. Well, that is the mm-hmm. hope that we would have this continuum of care. But it's so rare. So there are about eight uh, or so LGBT-focused residences in the, in the country. Mary's house is the only one that is this small and it's communal. The rest are like this, the one that the guy, who they didn't find for five days. They're beautiful, mm-hmm. uh, but, and they're large. Like the one in Philadelphia, the Anderson House, is humongous. It's a city block. Uh, mm-hmm. But it does, and it does uh, cater to the nuances of being LGBTQ. You know, you'll see rainbows. It's um, people use the uh, pronoun that you want to be called. Uh, it's just a fantastic place. And so there are like um, eight to ten of these in the United States. California, um, Chicago, um, I'm drawing a blank, um, some other place in the Midwest, um, mm-hmm. so um, around the country. Uh, but Mary's Place is still the smallest one, and we're trying to keep that communal vibe going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I mean, because... Because that's what was going to be my question. Um, how big do you want to get bit? Because I noticed that um, I was reading like how, you know, they, they'd have, uh, they could sit outside of their space, you know. So are you trying to like sort of keep a village, keep a village feel to it as opposed to being a huge institution? Because even no matter how rainbow friendly it is, if it's too big, you can get lost. Right. Yeah, so we want to keep the feeling of being a resident, that this is our home, not that this is a, this is a facility or institution. This is our home. So, we may, you know, we may grow to 30. We were, the board is um, looking for maybe having perhaps a 30 building uh, and, and having it um, built so that it still remains communal. So maybe you, you would have the dining room in the middle of the, um, the property or, or, you know, there's a place where you, ha- you have to come together uh, during certain parts of the day or week or something like that so that uh, the communal feels, feel remains, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that, um, like, at, at one point in time at Christmas, like, you were partnered with the MCC Church in, in D.C. You know, often I've gone to other things, and church, many people have come up through church, particularly people who are about at retirement age. They have a strong connection to church. Is partnering, like, with the MCC Church and with other things, is it a way to sort of, like, tap into what are the needs and what this older population looks like and also to gain support for Mary House, Mary's house? I, I think so. I hope so. Um, mm-hmm. What I do know, I, I am personally partnered with uh, MCC Church has been the program officer for its older adults program. And I started a uh, older adults program for its MCC DC 
its um, church in D.C., which has a vibrant program that meets once a month, and they do all kinds of things, Atlantic City, plays, bowling, you name it, they do it, and then they meet uh, on once a month on Sundays to um, have a meal together. Um, so that is that is a great, and MCC churches um, generally are good places for um to 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 be if you're an elder, uh, mm-hmm. we have a program office because, like every place else, people um, people kind of uh, want to be young. We all want to stay young. We want to be young, <laughs> and we forget that you know we're getting older, and we have elders, and you know it's on their shoulders we stand. And so we work to making that kind of awareness uh, permeate. The, the denomination. Um, so that, that's the way SAGE is in, I think it's in like 22 cities. Um, there are chapters and affiliates and to, uh, for younger people and older people to reach out to SAGE is, you can't go wrong there. Uh, to uh, be, when we talk about being intergenerational and working with Mm-hmm. older folks and younger folks working together. Um, we at Mary's House, to talk about our uh, financial needs, we are ready to construct, Michelle. We are, we've mm-hmm. got all the zoning out of the way, all the city humps that we need to get out of the way to be, begin construction. Now, there will be some more hoops to jump through once we begin. But So we, we're looking at... Um, uh, Eight hundred to a million dollars to begin construction, and mm. um, so that's what we're doing. We're raising money to do that right now, and so the big thing is that we we have the property. We didn't have to purchase that. We're tearing down my home, my house that I grew up in, which is cool, Aww. and making way uh-huh. for the um, fifteen rooms with the front porch. We're going to have rocking chairs on the front porch. We're going to have this stone wall garden with vegetables growing on the roof and flowers growing on the side. It's just going to be just awesome, awesome. And so people can you can buy a brick uh, mm-hmm. with to honor someone. And you can also buy a paver because uh, we're having a yellow brick road way, way back in the oh, day. Oh, okay. They used to ask, uh, are you a friend of Dorothy's? And that meant, are you gay? You know, <laughs> so hmm. we're giving a nod to the people back in the 30s who used to say, are you a friend of Dorothy's? And so hmm. we'll have a yellow brick road. Um, and so people can um, reach out and donate to us by going on our website www.maryshousedc.org. I'll say that again. www.maryshousedc.org. Uh, if they want more information, they can email info at maryshousedc.org. Uh, and I did. I would love to love to hear from love to hear from your listeners. If you're in the DC area, we can go by the site. If you if you give me enough heads up, I'd love to take you by the site where it's going to be, uh, and hopefully we'll be in construction mode. We can put on the hard hat and, and look at mm-hmm. it. Well, you know, one of the things because I was looking at your uh, website is like you can see the artist renderings and you can see a lot uh-huh. of pictures about it. And oh. you know, I mean, as you look at it, that really, I mean, that adds to the excitement. This is this is going to be, you know, it's not going to be. 
a nursing home for gay folks. You know, no, it's going no, to be a no. vibrant community. You know, exactly, exactly. And we're going to be uh, we're we we're making arrangements to work with other organizations in the city that are that we know are LGBT friendly, like Seabury, which is a uh, organization that caters to older adults, has transportation, and uh, works with people who are homeless. Um, works to put people back uh, into um, better settings, living settings. Uh, Iona, uh, Women Walker, j- just a lot of organizations. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and I, I mean, and it's it's like you've got some a, a lot of support. I saw that you had the garden party. The mayor was there. Yes. Uh, a, you know, I mean, there's different people from the LGBT community. There's there was a congresswoman there. Yes. who are, are coming out and, and su- how great is that to know that yes. despite being in the shadow of a White House that doesn't care, you are in a city and have representation of people who really care. Who do care, absolutely, absolutely. Our, our mayor has been a staunch supporter of us. We work with the mayor's office of LGBT affairs uh, and other parts of the city that just our Congress, our um, city council. These folks are really in support. So we have we have the support of our city, um, which is amazing. Lots of people don't have that. Mm-hmm. And I know we talked about MCC Church, but I also see Bishop Abrams there. You know, so yes, yes, Bishop you know, Abrams here with ELC. Uh-huh, yes, you know, hey, hey, you know, she came from my neck of the woods before she, before you guys got her, she was here in Detroit. But how great well, is, we, is that? Because that's well, where we got her we now. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's a mover and shaker, absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that, you, 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 pardon me. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say that if you're any, if you're in D.C. in um, during uh, Black Pride for us, which is May 28th, that Saturday, we have a par- mm-hmm. annual party that's called Party with a Purpose, uh, okay. and it's it's off the charts. We have old school music, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, we have a silent auction, and we just have a good time. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm inviting your folks. We, uh, we should be up and, you know, you should hear more uh, information about it in the next couple of weeks. I'm thinking my group is going to get together and, and start talking about it. But save that date, that Saturday, Memorial Day Saturday. Come on mm-hmm. down. Okay. Well, we're going to take our second break. And um, when we come back, we'll talk more about how people can get involved and to help. So we will be right back with Dr. Imani Woody. And get your checkbooks out. <laughs> Thank you. Collections by Michelle Brown airs every Thursday at 7 p.m. You can subscribe now and listen to the podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Be sure to like the Collections by Michelle Brown Facebook page and mark your calendar so you never miss an episode.
back with Dr. Imani Woody talking about Mary's house. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it. I mean, I know I like the, the buying a brick. I mean, I know people from D.C. and maybe you might not be from D.C., but maybe you have someone who was in your family or your chosen family who you wish had had someplace like that. And also, as we build the one in D.C., it will make the next one come and the next one come and the next one come. Um, I think that that's, that's really an exciting, I love that. I looked at those and I did it. Um, so to do a brick. So, <laughs> yes, buy a brick or, you know, leave us your house. So we're, so we are think we're tearing this house down and building mm-hmm. 15 um, units, but we want to make it communal as we are going to keep it communal. So if you want to leave us your house, please do, and we will create housing for LGBT elders. So four-bedroom, it'll be a four-bedroom Mary's house. We will remodel it and revamp it so that it's um, ADA uh, compliant, you know, so folks can go from um, be comfortable in their home. Um, And this is one of the ways that we feel that we will be able to build Mary's house throughout the nation is by donate homes being donated through estate um, sales and uh, this bequeathing us this the, mm-hmm. the real estate. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now I know you did a, a GoFundMe campaign, but people can continue to give right through your website, right? Yes, absolutely. They can continue mm-hmm. to give through the website. And one of the programs that we have that we haven't. Uh, been able to expand um, nationally that we want to is called the match program wherein there, you know, you get older and you have a house and there's some rooms in your house and it seems like you can't uh, afford your home, but you could take in some borders. And so we're having, we're matching borders with people who have homes and vice versa. Uh, and they, it's like a match game. We're, we're not responsible once you marry up, and I'm putting marry in quotes. But we mm-hmm. do make it possible that a person who's LGBTQ has a home that they can rent to someone who's an LGBTQ also and an ally, and they don't have to de de-gay their home and the person renting doesn't have to de-gay their life to live in this home. So we are, we have that here in DC. We have a few homes and we're always being asked, Michelle, this is the hard thing. I got a, someone called me this morning uh, from the office on aging. There's some, they have a 70 year old who can only afford, who only gets $460 a month. Do I know of any place where he could rent? Wow, four hundred and sixty mm-hmm. a month to, to mm-hmm. is what the person mm-hmm. has. Not to that's that's not what he can afford in rent. Oh my uh-huh. goodness! That's that's a, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, and the average Social Security um, payment is um, a little over seven hundred dollars. So again, mm-hmm. where do you rent? Where do you go to mm-hmm. rent? And then you put um, uh, your sexual identity on top of that. That mm-hmm. is your sexual identity or your gender identity and sexual orientation on top of that. That is something, mm-hmm. you know. And so uh, I haven't called them back because I have not, I don't know anybody 
who is going to, you only have $460, where do you go? I haven't Mm -hmm. called that. And there's a housing crisis in every city, every state. Uh, And it gets worse as you get older. I know you could probably tell me some tales in Michigan. Mm -hmm. Michigan. Mm -hmm. So we get these kind of calls every day, every week, not every day, but every week. And, um, you know, and we're, so we're, we're turning into an information referral service, too, mm-hmm. uh, because people know that we, we want to help. And um, uh, this match program where we don't have enough homes uh, and there are so many people, but uh, we want to expand that. So we're working on a grant right now and, and trying to get an intern that would be able to uh, do this kind of work in, in um building the program up and expanding it if we can. You know, everything takes money. Well, you know, because it's, it's interesting because I was talking to someone once and they were talking about how they were matching LGBT youth with elders. And at some point it became like a whole new family where it helped the elders stay in the home and the young person have a home. And it's like right. that's one of the things – even though that we face a lot of adversity, it's sort of like we are able to find a way out of no way by working together and seeing ourselves as a community and taking care of each other. Yeah, so, I mean, I can see that you probably do have almost like, I mean, you have to become a referral because Mary's house, you're working on it, but I know that, like you said, there's this person right now with $400 a month looking for some place to go, and so who are they going to call? From your, <laughs> from all of your experience and working with, I mean, you already talked about how, you know, keeping people in contact and touch. Um, how, what are the clues? What should people be aware of? You know, because we can get so caught up in, in our world. We can be busy Facebooking people so much that we're not busy picking up the phone. What would you say to have a healthy, older community? What should we be doing? Well, besides understanding that there is an older community. So, you know, when I go to places, I'm an African-American older lesbian. So when I go to places, Michelle, you may do the same. I'm looking to see first how many black people are there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, this is unconscious. I just, you know, it's unconscious. How many black people are there? How many older people are there? How many women are there? I do that on a on an unconscious basis until it's conscious, you know. And uh, so that's what we should do. So you went to an event. How many older people were there? Mm-hmm. Right? Was it all white? Was it all black? Did it have other people of color? If not, and if that's how you want your world to, you want your world to be more diverse, more inclusive, then invite the next time to that event an older person, a person of color. If you're putting on the event, are there stairs? I don't know about you, but I have, my knees sometimes do not want to do mm-hmm. a whole lot of stairs. So, you know, mm-hmm. it just comes with the territory. So are there stairs? Can a person navigate uh, are there seats wide enough for a wheelchair or a walker? Um, 
do you have to get over your, like some people I've talked to, they have to get over their own stuff. Gosh, we're giving a party. I'm not necessarily wanting to see a wheelchair walkers at my party. So if that's the case, be true to yourself and make that happen. But if it's not the case, please include these folks and make let them know it's uh, um, it's accessible for wheelchairs, you know, that that kind of thing. We want you there. Elders are invited. Well, you know, it, it's, uh, I mean, it's funny because as you mentioned it, because I was sitting at a planning thing and they were talking about legacy and inviting these people and then they wanted to have it at the second floor someplace without an elevator. And I'm going, you know, the very people who you feel it's important to come You've just said they're not welcome. Right. And they were like, oh. oh. Right. Yeah. You said you hadn't been thinking about them. Yeah. Uh-huh. I said, I mean, I said, right there, you cut them out. And, you know, and to, and to sort of talk about, and, you know, we, are, we were fortunate here in Michigan to have Ruth Ellis. And, yes. and Ruth, yes. and Ruth yes. Ellis, I'm going to tell you. When, when Ruth Ellis was in her 90s, up until close to the time she died, you would find Ruth Ellis and people wanted to dance with her. She'd be in her wheelchair, but it's sort of like, it's sort of like you don't have to be afraid of, you know, if someone's got bad news, you're not going to catch it. <laughs> so right. if they want to dance with you and using their, using their walker, then dance. Yes. Let them dance. Let them be joyful, you know? Yes, yes. Yes. Have events there for them, like this party with a purpose. We say it's for the grown-up crew. Uh, and the uh-huh. first one will be, for me, we've done this about, this is our fifth year, I think. But the first one, uh-huh. Michelle, we had people, for the, the youngsters were trying to, their best to get in. You had to be um, 18 because <laughs> we were serving liquor. But we had this uh-huh. old school DJ who was just pumping it out and, uh, so we had people from 18 to 81 that year. We had a person who brought, who came and had her oxygen machine. We had young people going down the Soul Train line, which we have every year, with uh, young people going down with the older people and just rocking and rolling. It was a mess. I'm uh-huh. thinking we may have some of those pictures on the website, but it was, that's the world I wanted to live in. We had a quadriplegic come that year who was um, heterosexual, and he had the best time. People pulled him out in his wheelchair to dance with him. It was, that's the world that I'm trying to create. Uh, you know, I think, and I think that's great. And, I, and really, those are the videos, those are the visuals that you want people to see because, you know, I listen to, I mean, some of the people who I admire are people who have lived, I mean, not only did I know get have a, a, a great opportunity to know Ruth Ellis and to have seen her at the Michigan Women's Music Festival when women mm. lined up to push her wheelchair, you know, <laughs> to push her wheelchair so she could enjoy it. And to work with um, another woman who died at, at 100, Grace Boggs, who was, like you said, up until then, young people came and she shared her wisdom and they, they got her online and she was Skyping at, at that. And, to, and, and she lived to be 100. And then to have talked to, I mean, one of the most vibrant, alive women I know who is Dr. Wilhelmina Perry in New York, who's 84. And you know what? I want to keep up with her, you know, because, you know, they're living testimony that age really is nothing but a number. I mean, and, you know, 
as long as you're here. My aunt, my aunt who died at 94 said, as long as you're on this side of the earth, it's a good day. And we have it's to be inclusive. It's a good day. That's right. That is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have to be uh, inclusive and welcoming and doing yes. that. And that's what I, I like that Mary's house, it's like you're not saying it's not an old folks home. It's for older adults because they're yes. adults. They're just a little older and it's going to be a place that they'll call home. That is correct. Bring your short self, your fat self, tall, black, white self. Bring your gay self, your happy self. Bring yourself mm-hmm. to Mary's house. Yeah. Now I've got one last question. The name, Mary's house. Where did it come from? So Mary's, Mary is my mother's name. And ah. I thought it would be a great name. Her, it was her house. My dad bought that house for mm-hmm. her. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it just is a grand old name, Mary. Uh, my mother's name was Mary. So I know she was, she was special. <laughs> That's special. That's right. That's, That's right. right. That's right. Those Mary's and Michelle, before I go, I wanted to say, what, so thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm so glad that you are doing the work you're doing. Do you understand how important this is? The, you know, the work that you're doing to connect the dots and um, talking to people within and without the margins. You know, I, I really appreciate you. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, you know, I used to always come down for D.C. Black Pride. I, it's a friend of mine's birthday. is always right in there. And I haven't been down there in a few years. But this year I think I'm going to try and make it, and I will be at that party. Michelle, please come to the party. Please come to the party. <laughs> I, will, I will be at that party. Well, Dr. Right. Woody, I want to thank you so much for your time today and for the work that you're doing. Thank you so much. Keep us in your prayers. Always. Always. Right. Mm-hmm. Hey, us daughters of Mary got to stick together. <laughs> That's right. I love the way that sounds, the daughters of Mary. That's right. That's (laughs) all righty. Okay. Well, thank you again. All right. Take care. Okay. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye. Well, I want to thank today's guest on collections by Michelle Brown, Dr. Imani Woody, for the work she's doing with Mary's House. You can listen to this or past episodes of the show on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or Blog Talk Radio. Be sure and like the Collections by Michelle Brown Facebook page and let us know if you have a suggestion for a guest or a topic for a future show. Join us next week when I'll introduce you to another amazing individual living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality, and creating change that's right here on Collections by Michelle Brown. Thank you for listening.